Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. All right, so first off, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to read that verse and then we'll we'll start diving into this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13, it says, But we do not want you to be uninformed. Brothers, about those who are asleep, that you might not grieve as others do who have no hope. Uh, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so... Through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So what happened is the Thessalonians were worried about those that had already passed and whether or not they would be caught up in the rapture. And Jesus is going to explain this, or Paul is going to explain this as as he talks about it. Um, And he says in verse 15, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are, are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, And so we will always be with the Lord, therefore encourage one another with these words. And so when we read this first part of the verse, one of the things that we do need to remember is that this is Jesus' return, but it's not his second coming, right? It's very important that we get that. So he stays where? In the cloud. Okay? Not the, I know everybody's thinking about all my stuff's in the cloud right now. My photos and stuff. No, not that. But in the cloud, he's going to meet meet us there. And so um, it's very important that we understand that. Uh, the other thing that's important to understand is if you've already passed away, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? And so the moment that you die, if you're a believer, you're with God. Uh, and, and judgment for those that, that have chosen not to believe, you'll know that immediately when you take your last breath here on earth. Uh, that Jesus was Jesus. And so one of the things that I love is it says that we should encourage one another with these things. And, and so to be caught up, and this is the argument that many people will argue, is that the word rapture is not in the Bible. Uh, the word Sunday is not in the Bible either, but that concept of worshiping God on the first day of the week, we do it, right? Same thing with the word Trinity. The word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the concept of it is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And so um, the word caught up, actually, herpazo in the Greek is meaning to seize, to carry off by force, taken by force quickly. And it actually that word is, is when, in, when the Bible was translated uh, for the Latin version of the Bible, uh, so that way that part of the country could actually be able to read it. 
the word uh, raptus or rapture, uh, rapture was actually uh, based out of that word. And so uh, many people will argue uh, the rapture, and we'll talk about that towards the end of the study. Um, and, and one of the things that we have to remember is, uh, is the Christian doctrine of the resurrection assures us that the death is not the end. So the grave is not the end. The body goes to sleep, but the soul goes to be with the Lord. Uh, and that's covered in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 24. And so when the Lord returns, he will bring the soul with him and uh, will raise the body and glory and will unite the body and soul into one being uh, to share his glory forever. So this gives us comfort and assurance that as we face death, it's not the end. And, and so that's why sometimes when people have funerals, they have life celebrations. Uh, I, I think I've heard it said that the, when you take your last breath here on earth, you're born into heaven uh, if you're a believer. And that's a beautiful way of looking at it. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to go through the mourning process and you're not going to hurt when people go home to be with the Lord. That happens. But it should give us hope to know that we're going to see them again, and, and especially if they knew Jesus. But it also gives us uh, uh, a sharp warning for those who don't know Christ, that, that they would know Christ because we may not see him again. You know, if they don't know him, like I, my grandparents, I don't know. My grandmom and granddaddy, they never really went to church. I don't ever remember them talking about God. So I don't know if they're going to be judged. What I do know is based upon what I know from the Bible, they're going to be in hell. And that's a hard thing to, to realize. But that's why it's so important for us to, to, uh, to share Christ's word uh, with others. And so... Um, as we look at the rapture, we look at it uh, revealed as uh, his disciples in John chapter 14 uh, asked, and, and he says in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house or many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am... Uh, you may also be. Now, some people will get wrapped up in the mansion part of it, and that's not what we should be. You know, it, it's at the end of the day, you're you're in heaven and you're with the Lord. <laughs> that's what you need to 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 realize. And so, for Calvary Chapel, and this is very important for us, and even for Calvary Chapel Divine, we hold to a pre-tribulation, pre-millennial interpretation of Bible eschatology. And so that word eschatology is, is the study of future things, a fancy word. But pre-tribulation church, we believe that the church is going to be caught up, as we read 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, uh, that uh, the, the church would be caught up. And it makes no sense for the church to be left behind to be beat up, right? Because when the tribulation happens, it's going to get rough. And that's not even the great tribulation. Uh, the tribulation, you go through a period and then the, where the prophets are here. And we'll talk about all that. We'll get into some of that. But what is premillennialism? And so that's a word that, uh, that you don't use in conversation that often, right? Um, it's uh, premillennialism pre is a view that Christ's second coming will occur prior to his first millennial kingdom and that the millennial kingdom is a literal 1,000-year reign 
of Christ in order to understand and interpret the passages in Scripture that deal with the end-time events. So there are two things that, that must be clearly understood. A proper method of interpreting Scripture and distinct, the distinction between Israel, the Jews, and the church, the body of believers in Christ. And so when we look at this, one of the things that we look at as is, is being pre-millennialism is, is understanding that the church is going to be raptured, the tribulation and the great tribulation is going to happen, and the millennial is going to happen. And, and so there are things, and I'm not going to get into mid-trib and post-trib, and post-millennialism and all-millennial, because that's just going to, it confuses a lot of people. Now, you can read about all that stuff very easily on Got Questions. And if you need, if you need to, to kind of, and I don't want to confuse you because I don't want you to go, well, Mike, you talked about, you know, mid-trib, and you talked about post-trib. Do we, do we adhere to that? And it's like, no. So only thing I need you to learn here tonight is pre-trib. And premillennialism, because that's what we adhere to, and and so that's the main thing that we need to get out of this tonight. So pre-trib, premillennial understanding actually encourages the most obvious literal literal interpretation of the scripture, and it's been proven historically and accurate in Matthew chapter twenty-four, verse twenty-five, and it tells you that. See, I have told you beforehand in John fourteen twenty-nine. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. And so pre-tribulation, pre-millennial teaches that before the establishment of the 1,000-year reign of Christ known as the millennium, which is covered in Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, it says, Blessed is the holy, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Right? Over such, the second death has no power. But they will be the priests of God and, and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So, if it's given to us in Scripture, why are we confused about it? Now, one of the things that we do have to understand is even though somebody believes in mid-trib, or post-trib, or amillennialism, or post-millennialism, they still believe in Jesus Christ. So we need to be understanding that not everybody is going to adhere to what we believe in. But as a Calvary Chapel, we believe in pre-tribulation and pre-millennialism. And so one of the things that's very important, if you're going to serve in a, in a form of leadership in any Calvary Chapel, these should be a priority because this is distinctives. And so normally what happens is when you sign up, uh, especially for us, we came from a uh, a church that had different ministries and and so one of the things that's one of the questions that I ask is have you read and agreed to Calvary Chapel distinctives because we don't need you getting into a woman's study or into a youth study or into a young adult study and start teaching them about Calvinism and, and mid-trib and all because that goes against what we believe and so that's why we ask those questions on the application when you fill it out uh, beforehand and so we can try to knock all that stuff out before we allow you to get into it. Because look, there have been churches, and we'll talk about this when we talk about Calvinism. There have been churches from Calvary that have started off as Calvary chapels, and then somehow, some way, the pastor gets hooked into Calvinism, and and 
And there were times when Chuck would have to send somebody in. And they would take the church as far as, hey, we need to put somebody else into leadership and we love you, but you got to go because that goes against what we teach. And so that's why we spend the time that we do uh, going over these things. That's why we spend the time we do going over Calvary Chapel Distinctives. It's very important uh, to understand what we believe as a, as a church. And so one of the things that we do see uh, as we look at that in, in Revelation chapter 6, it, it, the phrase first resurrection is used with a different reference uh, the resurrection of believers at the beginning of the millennial to the reign with Jesus. So over such uh, people, the second death has no power. And so he's talking about eternal judgment. So Jesus Christ will first remove his church. So this is how this is going to happen. Jesus Christ will first remove his church, the bride of Christ. So we're the bride. Okay? To understand we're the bride. And so, from earth prior to the advent of the Antichrist. Now, very important, and, and the Antichrist and the tribulation period of the end of times, that's covered, and I'll go over that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. But as we talk about that, there is an Antichrist walking this earth right now. Because the devil is not standing outside of time. Okay? He can't be in more than one place at one time. He's not God. And so they have to have an Antichrist for every period. And so, believe it or not, there is... But here's what we don't want to do. We want to make sure... And, and, and studying end times is very important because it should encourage you to be enthusiastic about the return of Christ and to share that with people, that Jesus is returning, Right? But you don't want to spend so much time trying to study who specifically is the Antichrist that you're not spending time in God's Word and you're not doing what we just did on Sunday. We're called to be a church to minister to people. I don't know how many people were walking by, didn't know about the event, but were hurting and needed prayer. And that happened a few times. One lady, her husband had cancer. They went for their nightly walk, heard the music echoing, and she came over to find out what, it, what was going on. Another lady, uh, man, just uh, her circumstances, just, man, it's, it's, it's hard to, to imagine to have a son hit by an 18-wheeler and killed. And she's dealing with the hurt of that. And so you get to pray with her and you get to spend time with her and that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing as a church. And so, yes, do we study end times? Yes, we do. Okay? Rumors of wars, I mean, pestilence, we know all that stuff's happened. Earthquakes, it's happening, right? It's all happening. But we can't be so busy studying those things of the Antichrist that we're missing ministry, serving people. And all. The next uh, food bank is October 4th at 7 o'clock. Now, I know everybody can't be there. I believe it's a Monday. But me and Teresa are going to be there. The, they, they did it the next day on Monday. I was like, I have a van full of stereo equipment that needs to go back to the church. And so I was. that's what we were doing since, uh, Monday morning. Uh, was empty, and we had two loads that we had to take back to the church. And um, So hopefully we can do the... Um, the food bank 
uh, as well as, you know, the divine food pantry. So let's not be so focused on, hey, I think this person's the Antichrist. And you start really diving into it. Now, I mean, you can throw names out. I mean, it's Lord knows people have, right? Um, it, and it's, man, it's almost every, every month somebody comes up with somebody new. I mean, we have some ideas, right? Some, some people that we know that the devil's using. And so one of the things you always want to know is that the person who is the Antichrist is going to have to have influence. Right? But here's the deal. Church won't be here. Okay? This is the thing that we have to remember. The church, the pre-tribulation, we're gone. Okay? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7-8 through 8 says, For the ministry of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawlessness of one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. And so as we see the, the coming of the Lord and, uh, for his church and then draws near, then Satan's operation uh, intensifies, Right? And so we know that, that Satan is a liar who is, is trying to deceive uh, people uh, of truth. And it's the, the sword the, the, uh, that our Lord used when he defeated Satan in the wilderness is going to be the word of God. And, and so God gives uh, life through his truth and Satan is slain, slays with his lies. We encourage to know uh, that one day when Jesus will completely overthrow Satan and his system. In Titus chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of our glory of our great God and the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the pre-tribulation, premillennial view supports the doctrine of imminency uh, between the sudden, joyous rapture of the church. And so one of the things that we need to do is we need to stay awake. Right? It's probably hard to do that this week because it's been a rough week. Right? Everybody's tired. Everybody's been pushing going 100 miles a minute and and so it's been a long week but we need to stay awake in luke chapter 21 verse 36 it says but stay awake at all times praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things what things that are going to take place and to stand before the son of man and so we must be alert and ready and living in anticipation of the coming rapture uh, it tells us in first corinthians chapter 15 verses 50 it says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall, be, uh, we shall all be changed in a moment uh, in the twinkling of an eye. And, then, and, and that means in the Greek, instantly. So, again, you, you have the words cap, uh, you know, caught up, and you have the words in the twinkling of an eye, to be snatched up instantly. And this is in the Old Testament over and over, referenced over and over. And yet people won't believe in the rapture. Or believe, they, they think it's a fairy tale. I'm going to read you a quote from somebody that actually, in England, that actually wrote a paper on this. Um, and it says, In the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed, for the imperishable body must be put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass 
that says uh, that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It tells us in Scripture, so it's going to be just like any other day. And that's why it gives us the reference of Noah. You know, and Noah, it tells us in Luke chapter 17, verses 26 to 29. I know we're going to go over a lot of Scripture, I'm sorry, because it's just a, it's a ton of it all at once. And so hopefully you get these. If not, you can always go back and listen to it and grab them. But Luke chapter 17, verses 26, it says, Just as it was in the days of Noah... So will it be the days of the Son of Man. There, there, uh, they were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot. They were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planning and building. But on that day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. It's you know it's to remind us that it can happen in a moment. But every everything will seem like it's just a normal day, and people will be caught up in the twinkling of an eye. In Revelation chapter three verse ten it says, "Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial." That is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. So that verse alone suggests the pre-tribulation and the rapture. On that one verse. But people will argue about it. And, and don't, you know, it's not worth the, the argument over it. You can show them in scripture. If they don't want to believe it, it's, it's on them. If they want to stay here till mid-trib, let them. Because I ain't going to be here. I don't want to be nowhere around when the church is gone. Y'all think it's rough now. Wait till that happens. Where are people going to turn? They're going to be looking to their politicians who are already failing them. Looking to leaders who can't lead. That are being led by the devil already. Pushing a new world order. Preparing the things that are going to come. For the Antichrist. And so we need to understand that the, the hour, the testing that is going on is happening right now as we know. This is, you know, we have suffering and we have tribulation, but this is not the tribulation. Okay? This is not it. And you go, well, wait a minute, it's kind of crazy. It's not it yet. These are birthing pains. And things are gotten a little bit rapid, a little bit faster, just like when a baby comes. You go through a period where you're watching sports. And the wife is going through birth. Oh, this is our first child. I, I was such a knucklehead. I was like, can we put the TV on? I was watching baseball. Because we went on for 36 hours. So I was like, the first, first 13 hours was nothing. It wasn't nothing for me. I mean, for her, it was a lot. But then the baby started making its way, and it got quicker. And as you got closer and closer, 
Man, next thing you know, it happened like that. And that's what's going to happen. In Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, it says, Then I saw heaven open up, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are the uh, many diadems, and he, uh, he has his name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God, and the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, where followed him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, the word of God, right? With, a, with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so this verse takes the reader back to the second coming of Christ. Okay? Notice he's coming down now. It's not in the clouds anymore. He's coming to judge. So very important that we understand those symbols and the symbol for for riding a horse at that time the roman symbol was for victory a white horse and a sword which is going to be the word of god and he's going to make war with those and that's that's the lion that's coming not the lamb the lamb was here already okay so when when jesus comes for the second coming there's nowhere you can hide. Nowhere. And so a couple things that we need to get from, from the rapture. So for the saints, the rapture, um, the translations that we get, the first stage of the return is uh, for the saints when Christ will come for his bride. Okay? It's our relationship with the Lord. We're the church. We're his bride. Uh, the Greek word that we used was herpazo, which means to be caught up. And, and the, one of the things that we know is that it'll be the coming, the revelation, the appearing uh, when he returns for us as a church for the pre-tribulation. That's the rapture. And, and we are uh, how Christ is portrayed as the bridegroom, right? The bridegroom. Why does Christ return? To deliver his saints. To take us up. He's not going to leave you here to go through the tribulation. He's going to remove the believers. Now, the relationship uh, or the relation to the millennial kingdom, there's no direct relation at this point for the millennial kingdom when the rapture happens. That doesn't come till later. Okay? And so we went over those scriptures that specifically go over it. John chapter 14, verse 3, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, and 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and 52 to be caught up in the twinkling of an eye, right? And, and most of the rapture, but we all get into this as we study the book of Daniel, right? This is why I wanted to go over part of the book of Daniel is because when we look at it, We'll deal with the, the, the tribulation period. But we won't be here. Okay, that's very important that we understand that. The seven-year tribulation period. Uh, who can predict the rapture? If somebody tells you they can, they're out of their minds. 
Okay? No one knows except for God. When he says it's enough, that's it. Okay? There's been books written on it. They don't know. Anybody who says they do, I think the guy wrote one book and then he got the date wrong, so he said, I'll write another book. Because I, I misinterpreted what God was. Yeah, it's, it's silly. How quickly is it going to happen to be in a twinkling of an eye in an instant? That's why it says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. So, one thing that, that, that the world, we don't know because it's not specifically given to us in Scripture if it's going to be visible or invisible. We know that the second coming, that's a public presentation. Okay? Now, if the church is taken up, will people know something happened? Yes. Okay? That's very important to understand. Because that's one of the things that, that, that you know, all of a sudden people are not going to be there. You ever seen the movie Left Behind and cars are running into each other and kids are coming home from school and they, no parent there? I mean, it's, it's, that's what it's going to be. And so why do you think the, the story of aliens is starting to be pushed right now? They got to explain this thing. They have to remember that, that we talked about, you know, the devil being the, the, the person of misinformation, the deception. He's got to be able to explain it. Where did these people go? Aliens took them, right? It'll be some kind of story they'll have to come up with. Seriously. That's why they're pushing it on CNN. They're pushing it on the news now. Something that, I mean, if we remember back in the 80s, they would have, they, if you would have said that as an Air Force pilot or a Marine pilot or a Naval pilot, you said that there, you saw something, you, they would, you'd be out of a job. You weren't allowed to talk about that stuff. But all of a sudden, in the last year or so, they're starting to show like credible this is a credible thing and i'm like it's not but they have to explain the rapture away they have to put the misinformation out there to have people believe something else and that's what they're doing and so the world itself it says in first thessalonians 5 2 for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the lord will come like a thief in the night so on the other hand, it should be emphasized that there's no certainty, no doubt that rapture of millions of believers in a, in a moment of time will not be a secret. It's going to shock the world. It'll shock them. And so what does the rapture have to do with uh, the book of Revelation? So the rapture actually, as we get into Revelation, as you start getting into Revelation chapter 5, right? Um, that's when the scroll, the deed for the earth uh, that depicts God's ownership as the creator, the rightful owner, who's going to come for judgment. And who's going to be the administrator? Jesus. So God's going to lay claim on his creation again. That's happening. In the rapture, where does Christ, where do we meet Christ? 
in the air. The second coming of Christ, Christ's feet, so he's going to come down on the horse. Right? Very different. And how does Christ come? He's going to come in the clouds, and that's what we shared in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. The second coming of Christ, we shared that it's, it's, it's on the clouds on a white horse. Right? And then we know that, that Christ will come for his saints with the rapture. And then at, at the second coming of Christ, those who are with him are called the chosen faithful, the saints. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. So, what happens with the rapture? What's associated with the judgment of the rapture? The Bema Seat of Judgment for believers. So uh, we went over this. It's in First Corinthians chapter three, verses eleven through fifteen. No one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is a, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by the fire and the fire will be uh, the fire will test what sort of works one has done if if the work has uh, that anyone has built on the foundation survives he will receive a reward right second corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So you are justified just as if you did not sin when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you repent of your sins, but you still have to face judgment, the Bema Seat judgment. The one that you don't want to have to face is the white throne judgment. You're guilty and you're going to go to hell. There's no all roads lead to heaven. There's no, uh, man, the Lord will feel pity for me and just let me in. Because there's a lot of that. People think that. Man, you know, God's just going to feel, feel bad for me and he'll just let me in. Nope. You know, it, that's going to be dealt with. Second, Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord... The righteous judge will award me to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to uh, who has loved me appearing. So Paul's talking about the uh, the crown or crowns that you receive your reward. But if you received your attaboy when you're here on earth, that's eh, burned up. It's it's done. You know it's it's. You know, that's why we were telling you this week, what do you have your hands on? What are you laying your hands on? Uh, we can have a tight grip on the things of this world, but it's going to get burned up. That's why you store your treasures in heaven, right? Um, you know, so for us, one of the things that we need to remember is like, you know, that's when, when we look at the second coming of Christ, there's going to be the judgment of the Antichrist, right? There's also going to be the judgment of the sheep and the goats, Right? And, and, and God goes over that in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. So, believers are resurrected 
At the rapture, we get new bodies. Right? That's why it says the mortal body must be put off in uh, on uh, immortality. Now, people will say, well, the rapture is not mentioned in the Old Testament. But if you study Scripture, Enoch and Elijah are representations of the rapture. Okay? People will always say, well, how come Enoch, there's not more information on Enoch? And whatever you do, don't go read the book of Enoch. That's false. That's heresy. Just let that be. Because I had a kid one time wanting to know why God allowed. And I know what he was asking because he was living a life of sin. And he was like, well, maybe God allowed Enoch up because he liked Enoch. And he didn't have to be judged. Well, you know, no. And I think that's what he was struggling with. So he went and read the book of Enoch. And I was like, that's, you shouldn't be reading that stuff, dude. And so, you know, people will, will, will look for things to make them fit their, their argument. Yeah, there is a book of Enoch. Yeah. Don't look for it, please. I don't even know why I brought it. I'm bringing it up because we had a young man, he was 18, 19, that did. And honestly, I think what he was struggling with is, well, maybe God will just like me and I'll go and he'll just take me up. That's not how that's going to work. So remember, as we look at Genesis chapter 24, that's Enoch walked with God and he was not for God, took him, carried him away. Right? And Elijah, same thing, uh, you know, Elijah was taken up as well in 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 11. And as they uh, still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses, fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, right? And it tells you in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, but faith, uh, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had not taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. His faith. See? So, you know, people think stuff and they... You know, it's, it's sad because people are struggling with their sin. So real quick, uh, the tribulation, understanding. The pre-tribulation rapture, you're not here for the tribulation. Okay? Thank God. You don't want to be here for that. Three and a half years, there'll be two witnesses of prophecy for 1,260 days. Okay? The Antichrist will come onto the scene and, and break the covenant with Israel. Uh, you'll have the tribulation period, which is the 70-week uh, of Daniel, which we will go over in, in October as we start getting into the book of Daniel. That's going to be a lot of fun. But the 3.5 years is the great tribulation. Okay? And then the millennial. So the second half of the tribulation is called the great tribulation. And and that period is, is when the... Is distinguished from the tribulation period because the beast and the antichrist will be revealed, and then the wrath of God will will greatly intensify during that period. Thus, the importance is that the emphasis is that the tribulation and the great tribulation are not synonymous terms. Uh, with eschatology, when you study future things, the, the the tribulation refers to the seven year period, but the great tribulation refers to the judgment of God. 
when God's going to bring judgment. And, 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 you know, as you read that, and we'll go over that when we get into the book of Daniel. In Matthew 24, 21, it says, For then there will be a great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, and never will be. So the event of ushers, the, the great tribulation, the last half of Daniel's 70th week, and, and when judgments of God will be hurled on earth, and during the first three and a half years of the tribulation, then there'll be judgments that will include wars and famines and earthquakes and so forth. And then there's this paper that was written about farewell to the rapture. I don't know if you, y'all have ever read that. It's by... N.T. Wright, we had to read this when we were arguing pre-tribulation and tribulation and mid-trib and post-trib. In school, we had to write papers on each of them. Well, N.T. Wright wrote a, a paper called Farewell to the Rapture. N.T. Wright is actually from England. Got a bunch of doctors and doctrines and all that other stuff, whatever it is, masters and all that stuff. Very smart guy. But one of the things that he wrote uh, about was, uh, I wanted to read this article to you, just this quote. Uh, it says, little did Paul know how, how this colorful metaphor for uh, Jesus' second coming would be misunderstood two millennia later. The American obsession with the second coming of Jesus, especially with distorted interpretations of it, continues to unabate. Seen from the side of this side of the Atlantic, the phenomenal success of the, the Left Behind books appear puzzling, even bizarre. Few in, the, few in the UK hold to the belief on which the popular series of the novels is based, that there will be a literal rapture in which believers will be snatched up to heaven. What did the scripture say? Caught up. In a twinkling, how did the guy not... You can be so smart that you miss it. You can be too smart for yourself. It's very simplistic. We don't need to overthink it. It says it in Scripture, right? But he says here, as we finish up, leaving empty car crashes on freeways and kids coming home from school only to find their parents have been taken uh, to be with Jesus while... Uh, they have been left behind. The pseudo-theological version of Home Alone has reportedly frightened many children into this kind of distorted faith. Pastor Chuck said this, When the Lord Jesus Christ comes in the clouds for his children, he will resurrect and carry off the earth all believers who are still living, as well as those who have, dead, have died. And there will be a family reunion in the air, and when the rapture takes place, death for the believer will be swallowed up. So what is our application? We read that and you go, man, what's wrong with that dude, right? My father came to know Christ because of the book left behind. It scared him. Now, remember we talked about repentance is sometimes fear? That's what happened. He was like, wait a minute. <laughs> the rapture? What is this? What do you mean? This could, they, this could happen at any moment? So for us, what, one of the things that we need to do is, are, are, are my question is, is are you intently waiting? Right? Are you intently waiting for the Lord's coming? And so there should be an urgency for us to live for the Lord today. In Matthew chapter 25, and I won't read through the whole, y'all can read it when you get time, it's the parable of the ten virgins with the lamps, it's very important. 
because it kind of sums up what's going to happen to some people. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, I'll read the last part of the verse. Um, they start getting drowsy, they fall asleep, and then uh, the call is, uh, is out. It says, but in, in verse 9, it says, but the wise answered, saying, since there will be not be enough for us. So the lamps start to run out. And then though all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, verse 7, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us, for you go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with them to the marriage feast, and the doors were shut, or was shut. And afterward, the uh, virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open uh, to us. And he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. They're going to be beaten on the doors of the church probably trying to figure out what has happened. And people will come to know faith during the rapture. Or during the tribulation, excuse me. During the tribulation. But we need to be, as Christians, be intently serving and doing the things we're called to do. Right? Second, how are you living? Are you living for the rapture? Being prepared. Right? Uh, to be waiting for the rapture for Jesus, which means that we should be living in purity and in the pursuit of holiness and righteousness, and we should be dealing with our sins on a daily basis. We need to have a heart that's pure and and understand that the Lord's coming can happen at any time. At any time, you can be on your way home to, tonight, and boom. Right. Third. Are you so busy looking for the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, and other end-time theories that it has consumed all of your time? I have met people, a friend of mine, that it's, it's, they struggled in their relationship with God. They weren't spending time in God's Word. They were so busy going over every little detail. Oh, I think that's the mark of the beast. Or that could be, and it's like, Oh, he's the Antichrist, and you know, and it's like, and they're not living for God. They're living a life, actually, it was pulling them away from the Lord. And it started pulling into, and this is where you've got to be really careful. When you start studying end times, there's some wacky stuff out there. Oh, and here's a funny thing, and we'll, we'll close up here and we'll pray. If you, if you talk about the word New World Order, guess what shows up on YouTube now? conspiracy theory so actually I just said it is going to show it shows up as conspiracy theory when we know it's going to happen a one world order it's you know but YouTube is trying to make people think oh this is another one of those Christians crazy conspiracy things but don't be so focused on those mark of the beast, end times, antichrist, where you lose your relationship with Christ, where you're not spending time in God's Word. Okay? And be very careful what you're looking at online. Jack Hibbs, um, Don Stewart, 
Ed Heinsohn. I'm just going through some names. These are all Calvary Chapel guys. Amir is another good one. Um, but, I mean, y'all can get with me, and there are others here in the church that will, but you need to be careful because there is a lot of wacky stuff out there. And, and it can take you down and mess your theology. It'll mess up your theology. Next thing you know, you start believing in mid-trib or, you know, or, or post-millennialism. And, and it, that's what happens. Or you start writing a paper like N.T. Wright. So smart that he missed it. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at Calvary Divine. God bless.